Hello and welcome to Trending Pet Food, the industry podcast where we cover all the latest hot topics and trends in pet food. I'm your host and editor of Pet Food Industry Magazine, Lindsay Beaton, and I'm here today with founder and CEO of Emergent, the Healthy Living Agency, Robert Wheatley. Hi, Bob, and welcome. Hi, Lindsay. I I have to say I am so delighted to be here and uh, part of your inaugural podcast. This is exciting for me, and I have to say you couldn't have picked a better topic to address that I think your listeners are going to find meaningful and important. So looking forward to it. Thank you so much. For those of you who might not be familiar with Bob, he began his career at Ogilvy & Mather, where he came up through the ranks to become president and managing director. He owned two marketing firms previously before launching Chicago, Illinois-based Emergent to focus on building food, beverage, and lifestyle brands. He's worked previously with premium pet food businesses, including Champion Pet Foods, Merrick, and Nature's Variety. Emergent helps pet brands grow their business by building deeper meaning, trust, and belief among pet parents. Emergent provides leading-edge, purpose-driven brand strategy guidance and creative communications in social, earned, and owned channels. The agency's proprietary messaging platform puts the consumer at the center of the brand story, inspiring greater brand relevance, emotional resonance, and deeper connection. And all of that experience is why I've brought Bob on today to answer this question. How can pet food companies effectively tell their stories to gain and maintain consumer trust in the marketplace? So, Bob, consumer trust seems to be a constant pain point for all industries, including pet food. Why do you think that is? Well, you know, Lindsay, I think we might start answering that question by going back to the reams of available research that we have that consumer trust in brands has been in decline now year on year for more than a decade. And if you're wondering what the root cause of that is, it is primarily, I think, attached and associated with how important the internet is to everyone's daily life and what has happened as the, call it the control in the relationship between brands and consumers has transferred 100% over to the consumer who is now able to opt in and opt out of engagement with brands at will in an environment where they are exposed daily to various forms of misbehavior and unfortunate developments and presented with examples routinely of brands and businesses that don't communicate fully to consumers what is actually happening in their products or there's some other form of of dishonesty occurring. And out of that comes a level of distrust in what brands claim and assert about themselves. But as much, you know, Lindsay, as that may be at sort of the core reason why this has emerged, there's something critical and important about how consumers behave that actually is the reason why trust should be at the center of how brands develop their business and marketing plans. I'm going to give it to you in a headline. Consumers, pet parents, are not analytical, fact-based decision-making machines. And what's so interesting about that is so much of the communication and outreach in the pet food category is analytical. And it's based on making logical arguments about features and benefits, about ingredients, about 
claims within the sphere of better nutrition, yet we understand that the human being involved in here is always heart overhead. People are feeling creatures who think, not thinking creatures who feel. And by virtue of that, we sort of misread the audience that we're trying to engage. And here's probably the most important piece of information I can provide to your listeners today that has an impact on why trust needs to be embedded and how the organization plans its brand strategy. Gentleman who I used to work with at Ogilvy and Mather, who's written a book called Alchemy, landed on this insight that is the outcome of research conducted by a team of psychologists over a period of decades that essentially blew away the myth that had been around forever that consumers were logical and made decisions based on the facts presented to them. What they discovered is that 99.999% of the time, consumers are making decisions on the path to purchase to avert risk. In fact, what they discovered is that the potential or perception that there might be some form of loss was more important to people than the opportunity for a gain, which is a fascinating discovery about how people operate that isn't really reflected in how marketing is planned and developed if you know that risk aversion is at the core of how people do what they do, which is, is interesting. And what really is that all about? It's about trust. We're living in a world that is sorely lacking in trust. We have research that confirms that people don't trust what brands say or claim, and yet these things aren't taken into account in how trust is actively planned and programmed in what the brands are doing. And thus, we're sort of witnessing the end of what we would characterize as transactional relationships where companies exist to sell products and services, and that's what the whole thing is about. When in fact, we're really in an environment where people care about deeper meaning and purpose and mission and values for the very reason that relating to a brand now fundamentally is the same thing as relating to a person. So one of the things that we do in our planning efforts is to look at eight elements that are always at the front door that need to be reflected in what's going on in the marketing plan. And those eight things are trust, integrity conversation, guidance, shared experience, reciprocity, empathy, and shared values. And you notice that all of those things are very human-like characteristics. And so where we're arriving now is how to humanize brand strategy and communications in a manner that's respectful of how people operate, how they make decisions, and how trust is earned. And I say that because I've had so many conversations with uh, leadership teams in uh, CPG companies where the great minds are all saying, in essence, well, you know, we're trustworthy because we just are. We're good people. We are honest about the ingredients in our pet food. We have high standards with respect to how we source ingredients. We tell the truth about how our foods are made and what's in them. So we are trustworthy because we're an honest company. And that's wonderful, except for this one thing. That's a company asserting something, claiming something in an environment where people don't trust the source. And what I try to come back to is you really have to step back from the edge here and look at what are we doing to actively earn trust 
every single day in how we go to market, how we behave, what we do that is specific and designed to imbue the brand with deeper meaning in a manner that feels like the priority in the company is the customer more so than it is itself. Because those are the kinds of human characteristics that people identify with. And when they're looking for trusted brands, they want to know that they're in a conversation with an organization that has their best interests at heart as well as their pet. Well, we have just gone right into the deep end and the heart of the complexity of all of this, because simplify it to two human relationships. Everybody knows how difficult trust is to earn and how easy it is to lose. And mm. that's between two individual people with, you know, mm. perhaps a shared past or a vested interest in being together or staying together or continuing some kind of relationship for a business. And it's heightened by the fact that we are in a food business, right? Mm -hmm. a, a pet food business. Mm -hmm. And everybody knows that pets have been humanized to the point that they are largely accepted as family members. Mm -hmm. And it is very, very easy to lose trust in a brand if your animal doesn't like what they're eating, but even more so if there's a recall or if their mm -hmm. pet gets sick and they feel mm -hmm. like it's because of the food. And there are so many other brands out there that it's really, really easy for a pet food consumer to be like, you know what? I'm done. I wash my hands of the whole thing. I am never going back to these people. I will go to one of the other hundreds of brands out there and give them my business instead. And then on top of that, people know when they're being pandered to. And so there's a fine line that you always have to walk when trust is involved to get at the heart of things, but not be cloying about it. You know, you still have to give people the information they need and you want to build a relationship with them, but you're not a person, you're a brand. And people want that connection, but they don't want it to feel forced and they don't want to feel like they're being spoken down to. Mm -hmm. So once you throw all of that together with all of the things you've said, it's insanely complex to try to do this right. And there are so many ways to go wrong when you're building a relationship with somebody. And a lot of brands have been out there for a really long time. And so they're used to the more transactional way of doing things, or they are very established. And now that people are expecting more out of them, it can be hard to make that transition and try to figure out how to alter your relationship with your consumers. So what are some of the key things that pet food customers in particular want to know about the companies they're doing business with? What do companies need to be able to tell as part of their story to start building that bridge of trust without just going full into it and going overboard essentially at the beginning? But at the same time, respecting the fact that you don't have a lot of time to get people's attention these days because they can always go somewhere else and they can do it in about five seconds with a Google search. Well, you have set me up, Lindsay. Thank you for your comments. I'm going to go back to what I was talking about earlier about how human beings operate and how they make decisions and what's really going on. Let me reframe this for you in a way that I think relates to your comments exactly. One of the things that we observe here is, particularly in the pet food business, the level of sameness and similarity in how brands present and package their story. 
I mentioned earlier that we are not analytical fact-based decision-making machines, but probably 90% of the marketing and communication outreach in this category is analytical fact-based messaging about percentages of protein or nutrition claims or other things that in some cases require consumers to burn a lot of mental energy to understand that frankly, we know they won't burn. And so if we are emotional creatures who feel, and if the consumer is at the center of our planning, are we really accomplishing anything by being focused on what I would characterize, Lindsay, as brand narcissism? It's a form of, it's all about me, when in fact, the the marketing and the communication and the outreach and the strategic thinking needs to be about them and celebrating that unique emotional bond that exists between pet parents and their pet, because what's really going on at the heart of their decisions around pet food, for example, is their ability to express their love and appreciation for their dog or cat through the quality of the diet that they provide. What they have to believe and trust is that the diet that they are providing is going to, in fact, deliver on that. As much as we understand that that's really what's going on, the method of communication should be focused on facts, figures, and analytical data. That's really not how we humanize the brand and present the face of it to a feeling creature who thinks, not a thinking creature who feels. And all of that is related to trust. So I'm going to give you an example here that I think is tangible, that has something to do with with the essence of your question of what is it that people need to know. So Again, I would say that this emotional form of communication that celebrates the bond is really more important than other forms of outreach. Having said that, if we're really talking about how to build trust, how to acquire trust, how to embed trust in how the brand is perceived, I'll give you an example. We all know that transparency is super important to people. Why is that? Is it just a search for more information? It may look like that, but what's really going on there is it's a search for integrity. In the pet food business, I would say it's a business that doesn't have a whole lot of transparency going on with respect to how things are made, what's going on behind the curtain. At one point along the way, we were working with a pet food brand where we were trying to identify opportunities to build that trust foundation underneath the brand relationship with its users. And we decided to weigh in pretty heavily on transparency in an effort to earn that sense of integrity and honesty and openness that sits at the foundation of trust. So we had created a thing we called a transparency council. It included some outside credible experts in the veterinary physician field who had especially deep experience in nutrition It included a group of consumers who were users of the brand, who were especially knowledgeable about nutrition and super engaged in their pet relationships. And we brought these people to the company's kitchens and gave them an opportunity to see every single thing going on and how that pet food was made. And then we took them out to the farms and ranches and fisheries where the ingredients came from and gave them an opportunity to talk to the farmers to see what they did. In one instance, we took them out on a fishing boat. We gave them an opportunity to catch the fish 
that would later be in the kitchen going into the food so they could see from the origin of the ingredient all the way through to the end game, how that played out in terms of the company's assertion that it was using high quality uh, proteins and ingredients in making its food. But importantly, after having had that experience, we asked them to report on what they saw. Didn't try to manipulate it. We didn't try to control anything. We just said, tell people what you saw and tell it honestly and how you perceive what was in front of you and what you learned from this. And out of that came this sort of genuine, authentic, human piece of communication that was about, I saw this, I put my hands on it, I had a chance to touch it, see it, smell it, have that experience with it. And so I can confidently say what they're telling us about how this is made is the truth. And what that's about isn't an effort to go analytical in talking about ingredient strategies. It was about integrity and honesty and earning trust. And there are a lot of different ways that trust building techniques and tools can be embedded in the plan. But those kinds of things are important because of the desire that people have to really know the whole story. And in pet food, when you're looking at the most popular form of it, which is a kibble, it's really a stretch of belief to say all of these great ingredients are in that little brown nugget. How do we know that? Well, there's one way to know that, and that's if we can have an opportunity to see it. And it's in that seeing is believing and the voices involved and who they are and how that's presented that we can earn a measure of belief that what's being conveyed is the truth. Are there any industries that you think pet food could look up to in terms of trust? I mean, there are a million and one segments of human food industries. There's obviously the baby and toddler segment, which has a lot of the same themes in terms of really building trust and how easily it can be lost. What are some avenues companies could go to that are doing it right? Well, I'm, I'm going to answer that you know, coming at it from a slightly different angle, because there's another component in here that is a critical part of this conversation about trust. We were talking about sort of the end of the transactional era and the dawn of the relationship era and doing business in the relationship economy now. And one of the changes there is people want to be a part of something greater than themselves. They want to essentially join the brand as a part of a community that has more going for it than just the product itself. And we characterize that here as higher purpose brand building. What is the company's mission and purpose above and beyond the product that it makes in recognition that increasing profits or building shareholder value is not a purpose? That's an outcome. What we're seeing now are brands, particularly in the new food technology arena. Uh, these are startups, and there are a ton of them now starting to show up on the radar, who are founded on the basis of their higher purpose and mission, more so than just the technology that they're bringing to the market to make food in a new and different way. And a number of these organizations that are starting to come to life are founded on a mission to improve the climate for the very reason that there is a relationship between agriculture and our food system and climate impact. 
And these new food technology companies are of the mind that they are part of the solution to the future of food. And so they lean in to who and what they are on the basis of a higher purpose that is founded on their ability to disrupt and reinvent where food comes from, how it's made in a manner that will have a positive impact on our environment. We'll also downstream address issues in the area of food scarcity. And so if we're looking at how do you inculcate trust building into an organization in a manner that doesn't go away, that is ongoing, that is consistent, that is there day in and day out, I would challenge pet food C-suite executives to consider what is your higher purpose? Have you refined and optimized what that is? And, and by the way, we're not talking about philanthropy. We're not talking about your ability to donate food to uh, shelters, for example. Uh, higher purpose is a core mission, why the company exists, that has more going for it than just the product itself. And within that higher purpose is an opportunity to elevate the conversation and the relationship with consumers in a way that's all about deeper meaning, values, and beliefs. And organizations that do that, that make that the center of who and what they are, are embedding trust into what the company is and what it's about in a manner that's respectful now of what people are looking for in the relationships with the brands that they really care about. Mentioning this, Lindsay, I'm wondering if there is a, a pet food company out there who is eventually going to see the handwriting on the wall about how important sustainability is to competitive advantage in the marketplace. Consumers are looking for more sustainable choices. And knowing that sustainability is an issue in pet food, is there a brand that's going to embrace that, become a leader in the category to address carbon footprint and climate impact and how to mitigate and improve how pet food is made in a manner that's respectful of its impact on our environment. And in that is an opportunity to elevate the mission of the company and to give it an anchor that informs every aspect of how the business operates that has benefits attached to it, to why consumers are buying the brand, what they think the relationship is all about, why employees are joining the company, what's the mission of the company, what's the focus of the business in a manner that is kind of a, a mirror and a reflection of how people look at things these days. And that's way beyond just selling a real high quality product, which I think is a table stakes now. You have to have a super high quality product. But that's not a sustainable competitive advantage to a certain extent because so many companies are making really great products. Right. And I think you've hit the nail on the head in several different ways because traceability and sustainability, responsible business practices, eco-friendliness, all of these things are huge, huge trends in the pet space right now. And I think a lot of companies are taking a good hard look at everything from their ingredient sourcing to their transportation practices to their packaging to see where they can start to include things like that and have those conversations in terms of building their brand or rebuilding their brand to be something that is sustainable. And I think that that could be a really solid way to take it one step further and make that part of their brand story. Here is what we're doing to make sure that 50, 100, 200 years from now, we can still be feeding pets 
we can still be sourcing from various food sources that are still around for humans and for animals and for the betterment of the earth. All the messaging that nobody is quite there yet, but a lot of people are really starting to look at and dig in and try to figure out. It makes perfect sense to me that that would be something that could go hand in hand with looking at consumer trust and finding a way to talk to people and meet them where they're at in terms of what's important to them. So let's say a company hits the holy grail, they have trust, or they're just very well established and they can easily make this transition from transactional to a more storytelling brand, or they don't have as much pressure just because they're so well entrenched in families' lives. What do you think needs to happen for those companies who already have their customers trust to keep it? Is it all about consistency or is there something more? Is there an evolution that they need to do or can they stick with business as usual and sort of hope for the best? I don't think there's any such thing as sticking with anything anymore. In a business environment where the the pace of change is accelerated at every level, how businesses are going to be successful in the future is in transition. Ran into a, a fact the other day that was sort of an example of this. During the first 90 days of the pandemic, more goods were sold online than the previous decade. And within that is an example of how we now live in a digital world. And so we're now at a place where people are engaging with brands in a digital space. And in as much as we're talking about trust and keeping trust, And we know that consumers are now increasingly operating in purchase level and and doing their evaluation on products that they want to buy. They're doing that in a digital environment. To what extent are we going to win the romance there? And then how are we going to keep it? And I think the keeping of it is got two parts attached to it. One is the consumer has to be at the center of planning for the brand. And more often than not, that's just not the case. What the company is focused on is is R&D and innovation and product development and new SKUs and new flavors and new formulations, maybe extending into another category. All of those things are certainly vital to refresh the product line, to keep things moving in the right direction because new products represent incremental volume and all of that. But even as that is happening, and that's not unimportant, If you really look at it objectively and ask the question, is the pet parent at the center of every single thing we're doing and we're working backwards from there? The answer is no. The organization is actually focused on itself. And I think if you're going to retain trust, if you understand how important and critical trust is to the relationship and how that has to be retained over time, there really isn't any other way to operate except to put the pet parent at the front door of how you're going to market and how you're making decisions. And that's also, I think, a way to make sure and assure that your communication and outreach is founded on a celebrating the emotional bond that exists there, not working at cross purposes in turning your messaging and outreach into fact-based analytical argument. And the other thing I would just say is that you earn trust every day. You can't just sort of say, okay, We think we've got it now, and so on to the next thing. I think you have to get up every single day when you're looking at what you're going to accomplish from day in and day out, you have to make earning trust a priority that never stops. There's no such thing as mastering it. 
it's an ongoing organic thing that has to be fed constantly. And that has to do with the decisions the organization makes and its behaviors over time that either is going to contribute to trust or take away from it. And that litmus test needs to be applied to big strategic decisions that the company makes. And so if we're looking at big decisions, the analysis there of whether it's a good or a bad thing has to do with A, the pet parent and the impact there, good, bad, or indifferent. B, are we earning trust? Are we continuing to build integrity and honesty and authenticity? Or are we doing something that is really about self-interest that would involve some sort of sacrifice to those key principles? Because the moment you start violating those rules, it's a slippery slope. And people these days are really astute observers of company behaviors. And if you think they aren't going to figure it out, you're fooling yourself. And because trust is so important in their decisions, going back to what we were talking about earlier about risk aversion being at the core of how they behave in the marketplace, the theory of regret, as we characterized it, you know that if you're not working hard to maintain that mantle of trust in the relationship, you're playing around with that issue of loss and risk that will prevent people from trying new products, for example. We already know in the adoption curve for new products that there's only 14% of consumers who are going to try something new. And there's this enormous gap after that 14%. There's 86% of consumers who are going to wait till way later in the adoption curve before they're going to try something new. Well, why is that? Again, risk aversion. They want to be sure that what is on offer has been vetted and proved and verified and validated as it will perform as represented. The thing is, will work as exactly as its uh, story is told. I don't have any risk trying it because it's all been vetted for me. And I believe and trust that it will do what I want. Therefore, I'm not taking any gamble in here that it will turn out right. Because what's the one thing I want to avoid? the outcome of a bad decision, which is what? Regret. And if we know that, and we're trying to close the gap in here between the 14% of early adopters and the 86% that aren't ready to go, where do we operate to close that gap? Trust. There's an actual business interest in here for getting onto trust and working strategically to acquire it. And what's fascinating to me in a high involvement category like pet food, where you have a highly engaged consumer base that is involved in their pet lifestyle. And yet, when you look at social media, for example, which is an opportunity to provide what we call social proof to consumers of the outcome of a pet foods, the veracity of that nutritional story is really found in the experiences and stories told by users who say, my dog Fred had this health problem and that health problem. And I put him on this diet. And within six weeks, there were transformational changes in his behavior and in his health and his demeanor. And I can say that this was incredible change in, in his life that we attribute to the food that we fed him. Those stories are more powerful, more impactful, more significant than anything that the brand can say about itself. Every so often we get called upon to do what we call a social media audit, where we go in and take a hard look at what's happening in social. We find most often 
that what's happening in there is that social is treated as a broadcast medium, where what's really going on in posts for the most part is the brand talking about itself, when it really should be about community and engagement uh, and opportunities for users to share their real stories of what's happened in their pet lives, because that's where the validation comes to roost. That's what we call social proof. But why does that matter? It's about trust. Because people will believe the voices of their peers before they'll believe what the brand asserts about its claim. Well, I think it's pretty clear that one of the primary things that people need to take away from this is that the consumer needs to be centered in Mm. your strategy Mm. and that their needs and their wants and how they want to interact with your brand as a story, as an entity, as essentially part of their family is key in this new era where we're leaving transactional situations behind and we're heading more towards a storytelling era of brands. I think you've definitely given companies a whole lot to think about. We've asked a lot of really good questions and come up with some good answers. Before we wrap up, let's do a little plug. Where can people find you and where can people find Emergent? EmergentHealthyLiving.com. If you want to take a peek at who we are, I'm the kind of guy that enjoys and likes to have conversations with people. So I'm more than happy to engage with any of your listeners in an informal conversation about any questions that they might have or things that are keeping them awake at night. And so I'm happy to share my email with your listeners, which is uh, Bob at Emergent hyphen com c-o-m-m dot com that's it for this episode of trending pet food you can find us on petfoodindustry.com soundcloud or your favorite podcast platform once again i'm lindsay beaton your host and editor of pet food industry magazine and we'll talk to you next time thanks for tuning in mm-hmm.